Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's um, Tuesday. Actually, I went to school and I realized I didn't have school today. I feel pretty stupid doing that. Um, and I'm in trouble walking anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I wear my gay shoes. The uh, Today, we're, I'm going to do the half tour first. Because it jumped out at me. I did the Schneidmaker and everything. And uh, I, I have something to say about it right, ne- right now. Today's half uh, tour podcast is being sponsored by uh, Abe Gluck, the, that's Gluck's Plumbing in, in uh, Lakewood. I've been a sponsor before. A very good interaction. I want to thank him for uh, generously sponsoring this talk. And I know he has some yard sites coming up in L. And uh, anyway, I appreciate it. That's Gluck's Plumbing in Lakewood. Now, um, let me say that we, this week's Haftarah, uh, as I saw in Shmini, is the famous David Michal fight, or the whole story about King David when he brings the Ark to Jerusalem. Uh, David, uh, let's put it this way. Uh, once upon a time there was a Mishkan, and then there wasn't. There was a Mishkan in Shiloh, and then the Philistines destroyed it in the Battle of Ophik. And then what happened? The, Mish- the Mishkan was destroyed, but the Aron remained. That's all the stories at the beginning of Shmuel Aleph. And even though in the beginning the Philistines grabbed the arm, but eventually <laughs> they had to give it back. The good Lord hit them where it counts. They all had suffered from the hemorrhoids, and they surrendered without a fight. So where, what happened to the Aron? Well, it walked back, a bunch of oxen walked it back to this place and that place, and it was just stationary. So while uh, it was in uh, first in, in Beit Shemesh, then I think Kiryas Yarm, in other words, it went in certain Jewish places. I can only imagine that when they, it says they put it on a rock, they must have built something over to protect it from the rain, it has to be. And so there you had just a funny situation. I'm uh, traveling in Israel, in the territory, excuse me, the territory of Yehuda, Yom Yehuda, and when I walk by a certain farm, I see what the heck is that contraption over there? I said, "That's the Aron Hashem. in that in that box on this empty farm is the Ten Commandments and the original Torah and all the rest of it." That's strange, get it? And this is what happens during Shmuel Aleph and beginning of Shmuel Beis. I, why weren't they afraid the enemy would touch it? The Philistines ain't touching that. <laughs> After the hemorrhoid attack. They ain't touching no iron. <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. Okay? Uh, and so, the events of Shmuel Aleph, the reign of King Saul, his pursuit of David, the battles with the Philistines, David and Goliath, they all take place at a time when the Ark, very weirdly, is not in any Mishkan type situation, but is in this uh, place, right? In this farm. Now, David eventually became king, and he wants to move it early on in his reign, to Jerusalem, the city recently captured, because his goal, perfectly understandable, is to make Jerusalem, which he captured, not only the Ir David in the political sense, which it remained ever since, till, day, till today we talk about Ir David, but also in the religious sense, to combine the political and religious in one, and by bringing the arm there, and eventually the base of Migdash, he thought, uh, you'll combine the political and religious in one place, which he did. 
of course, he didn't get to build it, but, you know, he, he eventually brought the Ark to Jerusalem in this whole ceremony, which is described in great detail in today's Haftorah. Uh, it had its ups and downs, but by the time he's finished, he transported physically the Aron to Yushalayim, and he put it in a certain place and covered it with a tent, and that's what it was in this tent until Shlomo came along, right? That's the story. Now, um, it's clear that David wanted to make this a Hollywood production, and so uh, he wanted to make it a big deal, and he certainly did, and uh, here is, as we all know, the famous controversies, because um, he got, th- he got 30,000 people for procession. That's a big procession. Now, you and I have been in Israel. Some live there. And you know what it's like to go from, let's say, Beit Shemesh or someplace around there. You're going up through hills, right? Didn't have the big highways you have now in Israel. So you're transporting the ark, which is on a wagon, up these uh, mountain passes and so on and so forth. Uh, 30,000 people. It's this very interesting situation. And they are part of the procession. Now, um, the idea is you can hear about this far and wide, and this becomes the happening. Anybody's anybody. That's the hootenanny you want to be at. I would. And David wanted that way. So I'm sure from all the tribes, whoever can make it, we're going to come to see this happening because there was a Gunsa production. And uh, he also not only had 30,000 people for parade, but he had a musical component, okay? And a musical component. Now, what's interesting is it describes the musical component, and it takes the trouble to tell you this. With all kind of wooden instruments, you know, flutes and things like that. All kind of instruments. Now, when I looked at the Haftarah the other day and read it, for some reason, I was drawn here and there to see the comments of the Malbim. And I found some of them unusual. And I want to share that with you. Um, the Malbim understands, and he's always a little bit quirky, you know, he's always different, different than the others. The Malbim understands that this was a negative and not a positive thing. David meant it as a positive thing. But one of the reasons that Uzzah is struck and dies, and I know you know that story, it can't be that you're hearing the story for the first time. So Uzzah touches the ark to prevent it from falling and, and, and is killed, and that puts a damper on the whole thing. So what was the thing that was doing wrong over here? So the Malbim says, David did not do the right way, meaning he did Karlbach. Karlbach was wrong. You had to get Lewandowski. You had to get the Kohanim choir, the Levian choir, as he puts it over here, with the, with the right clay, uh, you know, uh, clay shear, the way it was eventually done in the base of Migdash, there is a certain way of doing it, and you do not deviate from that way. It's a little bit like the Nod of Anavihu story, that whenever your intentions are, you do not deviate from the rules. And so he says, again, I read you the Pasuk, the David and these 30,000 people, were carrying on, they had to even translate Mesachek. So you can say they were playing, right? Uh, no, was playing instruments. You can say they were carrying on. You can say they were carrying on in a negative way, okay? And the Malbim seems to say that Lo also Koroi, that Dovin and these guys did the wrong thing. Aleph, Shoy Masacha came Derech Schok, Kismechim Isn't that interesting? Right? It was not the time for 
you know, Schwecky or something like that. It's not the time for these concert situations, right? It's not time for getting down, down and dirty. That was wrong. It was a time for Yekish. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In a certain way, right? Like I said before, with the right choir, you know, Breuer style, that kind of thing. And again, Derek Schok, Lo Kismechen Ber Odo. You know what that means. It wasn't done with the proper dignity and fear. After all, they're bringing the Aron Kodesh literally. The box with the with the luchos, with, with, with the Sefer Torah. You know, how can you treat that as a Karlbach situation? Do you make up your own things? Atzi Broshim, Kinoras, Nevolim, Supim. Who told you to do this? Now, David, and this is not a put-down, David was a musical genius. That's one of the things he was. That's why David is so interesting, because he wears more than one hat, correct? David was a fantastic warrior. The other hand was a tremendous Talmud Chacham. I'll get back to that later. He was, those, those are two things that don't necessarily go together. Although in that generation, it seems you had a fair number of people who were warriors and Talmud Chachamim. Let's put it this way. If I was Chavrusas with Yoav Ben Sriya, I wouldn't ask no kosh on him. You want to get a guy like that angry. Maybe they pull out a knife and next thing you know, you got something sticking in your fifth rib. Uh, so David killed tens of thousands. You know what I said? Tens of thousands of people. Just imagine that. So Dub was a warrior. Among other things, he was a musician. The whole Tehillim are things that he composed. Lama Natsayah, musically. So I'm saying besides the, the Ruchnius part, besides the Kedusha part, he was a music person. Okay? Who's to say, just like Shlomo, we know the Gemara says that Shlomo wrote a lot of mushals, more than what you see in Mishle. So I'm sure David wrote a lot of compositions, more than what we were told about in Tehillim. That's a selection. So David was a music man, uh, and he said like this, I'm organizing my own musical idea for this parade. So the Malbim said that was wrong. And number two, the Malbim says, It wasn't the right instruments that they were used in the temple, in the Mishkan. Right? That's just very, very interesting. Let's just assume the Malbim was right. I don't know if he's right or not. How do I know? But let's assume the Malbim was right. Then later on, when David actually builds the base of Mish, he said, what do you mean? David didn't build the base of Mish. Yeah, I know. But if you read Divra Yomim, Aleph, the last 10 chapters or so, you see the devil was obsessed with building the temple. And although God says, you don't get to build a temple, he did everything but. So by the time he died, he basically said to Shlomo, who was 12 years old, I've organized things that you push a button and the whole thing will happen. I've got the materials, the plans, and also the music. And he designated which Kohanim, which Levim. So, you know, the Malbim would obviously learn. I don't want to repeat the mistake I made back when I brought the yarn up in the first time. Eh, I don't think anybody else learns anything, but anyway, it's an interesting Malbim. So David has this a big production, and then at a certain point, as we all know, uh, without going into details, God strikes one of them dead, Uzzah drops dead, and that puts a damper in the whole business, and and, and they leave it there uh, at the base Obed Edom Agiti, meaning that uh, let's say, for example, Uza. I'm just making this up. Let's say Uza died. Again, I'm just making this up. Let's say it was Baltimore. And the guys won Big Street Park Heights. And let's say the guy was struck by lightning in front of so-and-so's house. Right? Rabbi so-and-so's house. So, it'll, But it happened in the street. So they'll say, all right, we will put the ark at this house where, where it happened on the side. So here's somebody's front yard or backyard has got the ark in it. So this guy was over in Makiti. And that's where it was for a while. And then finally, David says, okay, now's the time to resume part two. 
here we see that they don't. I mean, now, now he had the musical, but he had the Karlbach, he had all that stuff, right? He had, you know, all the new. I, I'm not into music. My kids could t tell you the names of the new bands and stuff like that. But um, uh, what do you call? It? He had all that business. Plus, in addition to that, this time it seems he wanted to get even a bigger crowd, and so he did what Jews need to do if you want to get a Jewish crowd. There's only one way you bring people to a Jewish crowd. That's free food, baby. <laughs> free food. And so what it says is, right, you think I'm laughing. Kitsadu nosi arum shishitsadim. Every time they took six steps, they made a barbecue. Right? It's a shore. Okay, a marie. And a big ox. You know, a tor upatim. And a fat uh, whatever. Meaning, it's a, it's a welt of flesh. And so it was a moving barbecue. That's a holocaust of animals, of a barbecue. You hear what it said? From the house of Obed Edom until they reached Jerusalem where they wanted to do it. Every six steps, they shechted animals and it turned into food. But David Macharka Becholos of Hashem, and unlike whatever the Malbim said before, David said this musical thing is a good idea. And in addition to the music he was dancing, Mecharker. Now, when it comes to Hebrew, whenever you see these, uh, you know, double things like Mechalkel, Mecharker, they're like onomatopoeias, you understand? Mecharker means he karkard. So kar must mean some kind of a dance, booging, and a karkard. Okay? So Mecharker Bechol Uz, which is an interesting expression. Bechol Uz, Lifni Hashem, David Chagar Efed Bud. Now, he was not wearing a royal uniform. Some learned he was down to undershirt. So you could learn like that. The, I see the regular Mephorshim want to say he was wearing a Kohen outfit, right? A, just a long white uh, um, ephod, you know, like like a like an Arab thing, like a Jalabia, you know, one long business like that. Um, there's a very nice shot, I forget who said it, that he's imitating uh, the, the Prophet Samuel. Shmuel Anubi was always talking about Chagar Be'efed Bud. Shmuel wore that. And so, you know, Dove was inspired perhaps by Shmuel. That's a, that's a nice part. But anyway... Whatever the case is, he's carrying on over and booging like crazy. So in addition to the other instruments, now he's got trua and kol shofar, which are different than the instruments mentioned before. Okay? And that's how they bring... So, I mean, just understand this. Every six steps is another barbecue. An ox is a big thing. Okay? Oh, yeah. I know where you come from. Where I come from, that's a lot of meat, okay, and uh, and th and there you have it, all right. Yeah, an ox, uh, and Maria's a fat buck. So anyway, when they came over there, then comes the famous story. His wife, Michal Bashal, uh, looked out the window and she saw the king. So she wasn't part of the procession. She's a tzniyas, but and she saw mifazes. These are just interesting Hebrew verbs, right? What's pizuz, right? Uh, in Divriyam, it says merakeid or mesachek. Mifazes is even more, um, what's the right word? Uh, you get a physical. Umecharker, ker, ker, ker. So he's uh, carrying on boogieing. Lifnei Hashem. Vativas will be believable. And we all saw she felt contempt for him. Uh, but she didn't say anything believable. Now, if she would have just kept her mouth shut, everything would have been okay. And then, as they said before, it comes the ceremony where he deposits it in the tent. He is hoping that one day he'll get a reprieve from Hashem and he'll be allowed to build 
the the base of Mesh. It didn't happen, but that's what he thought. And he offered up Karbanas. Now, Olos, you all know, is the shot. Um, it's all burned up. But Shlomim is a barbecue again. And so once again, he's giving out food like crazy. And then he even have a, a, a goodie bag. You think I'm being funny. Listen. And he made a bracha to everybody. Why does the Pasuk tell us this? He gave everybody a goodie bag. It says very interesting. This was the Shachmonis, uh, you know, the the uh, what is it, the party favor or something like that. You go home, you you know, these are Jews. You go home with, with, with some food, all right? Go some food. Um, to each guy, he gave a loaf of bread, a portion of meat. A loaf of bread, a por- a chunk of meat, <laughs> like we say today, and a lentil cake baked in honey. So what we say, uh, uh, honey cake. Isn't that, isn't that cute? Right? Chalas lechem achas, esh barachas, b'ashish achas. Okay? Uh, Rashi says, uh, it's a word of Gabbard uh, He gave him uh, a jug of wine. Uh, that makes sense too. <laughs> okay? Vayelch kolam ish So, it's some occasion. You got to see the music. It was a free uh, show. It's a uh, kedusha. It's it's a holy uh, uh, enterprise. Uh, you know, bringing the Aaron to Yerushalayim. Uh, it was the music. It was the dancing. It was a happening. Sheba happenings. And every six feet was another barbecue. And finally, you go home again, and everybody comes home. What do you have as a souvenir? Echalas lechamachas esh berechad vashishachas. Okay, a nice chunk. And by the way. Eshbar, Rashi says, Acha Mishish Bapar. It was at a sixth of a of a bowl. Whoa, that's a chunk of meat. Right? And then, of course, happens the famous incident. David is in a great mood. So Michal really blew it in terms of timing. Because he wanted to greet everybody. He was just in a great mood. And she acts sarcastically. Uh, anybody's ever been married knows. Sarcasm you use maybe on friends, particularly on enemies, never on your spouse. Would you agree with that? I don't think sarcasm is a good uh, tactic with the spouse. I don't care who it is. Uh, it doesn't work. She said, How glorious you are today, sarcastically. You exposed yourself. Which sounds like some kind of undershirt situation. But maybe not. Maybe not. Okay? The Chazal say... Uh, what is the expression over here? Uh, I'm looking at the, n- the new article on Mikra's Gadolz, which is wonderful, because they have the Likuti Shasa Dabalad. And she says, uh, literally, she said, uh, who exposed himself today, to the servants, like a rake, like an empty person would do. And according from the Gemara Yushalmi Sukkah, it says, Mahu Acha Rekim, you're acting like one of the Rekim. I'm Rabar Bakana, Harekim Shabarekim. You're not a, 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 a scuzzball, you're a scuzzball, Shabbos scuzzballs. So basically, she's like this you're like poor white trash. Right? Arkastas, Rosh Umiyucha Shabarekim. <laughs> so your mom is like Hilbert in Baltimore, they say, you come from Dundalk. You know, like the Hill Country. 
So I just want to tell you something. That is not a smart thing <laughs> to say to anybody. It's certainly not a smart thing to say to a spouse. And it's certainly not a smart thing to say when a guy's in a good mood. And it's certainly not a smart thing to say if he's in Melchie's robe. You understand what I'm saying? No, let's put it this way. Let's say she had a point. And I too too hear the point. And I think you've heard it before. And any girl who's ever been based Yago heard it before, you know. Micha Bashavit Sinias and all that. There is an argument to be made in favor of a king not getting down and dirty. There's such an argument. There's also a counter-argument, but I'm just saying there's such an argument. You could say that in a certain way. You could say, Epis, you know, maybe it would be a good idea in the future, you know, whatever, covered Melech, so on and so forth. I don't think it's a great idea. It's like this. You're, you're a scuzzbag, you know. It's, it reminds me like Vashi said, you know, you poor white trash. You poor white trash. You see? Because that's what he says. Our Kastas, Roshel Miyuchet Shebrekim. Really? He was Roshel Miyuchet Shebrekim? Amrlo, she said, the Gemara says, Yerushalmi, Hayom Nigla Kvod Beis Abu. You see? So the way you read it is like this. The, 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 the language is very sharp. Manich Barayom Melch Yisrael. How glorious today is the Melch Yisrael. Meaning, how glorious was my father, King Saul. Because he was a Melch Yisrael and he had class. Not like you had poor white trash. Get it? That's how she said. My, it's, I'm reading what the Gemara says. Hayom nigla kovet base abo. Omer lova base shol shlorolo son lo ekev lo gulbi main. And they were so tzinius that no one ever saw a heel or a thing, you know. They put it with their dress like BJJ. You know, something like that. Now, that's fine. Like I said before, there's a way of saying that. Not the way I just told you. It's a dove, of course, famously got angry. Yeah, that's why God picked me over your father's house. And made me, the prince of Israel. So the emphasis would be on the OC, meaning me and not your father. And I'll dance and get down before Hashem if, that, if I want to. If I want to, right? So he's, you know, directly contradicting her. In fact, I'll get down even more. Unikalosi, interesting Hebrew word. I'll become more kal, more light, or as you, my wife, would say, more undignified. And I don't mind being shuffle low in my own eyes. It doesn't bother me. Okay? And the people you're making fun of, these uh, maid servants and all the rest of it, right? Um, what do you call it? I, uh, uh, I I will be, I'll, I will take my honor. That is to say like this. I find myself not having a trouble with, with what they think. Now Rashi, very interesting, says to his wife, he says to his wife, you don't understand the lower classes. And I do. So this is King David, who didn't come from rich background. You do not understand the lower classes, and I do. Okay? You said, he, he tells his wife, that I am acting undignified and therefore lowering the dignity of the king in the eyes of the lower classes. As she said, No, Rashi says, By acting this way, by throwing my own covet aside in favor of the covet of Hashem, they respect me even more. So in other words, you're so hardy toity upper class, you don't understand how the Hamunam acts. 
But I do. And it's very interesting because sometimes COVID is a funny business. You have to know how to lower yourself in certain situations and you get bigger dignity than something else. This is not the same thing, but I'll tell you what comes to mind. It's not the same thing, but it's a little bit like it. I remember, oh, long ago when Malcolm Begin was elected prime minister, the first thing he did, he came to New York, okay? And um, went to see Lubavitcher Rebbe, went to, and then he went to Ramosha Feinstein, downtown of Lower East Side. Now, these real, I remember this, these real Chiloni newspapers were going crazy. They should come to me. You're the prime minister of Israel. You don't go to them. You're lowering the dignity of the prime minister position. And Menachem Begin like this. I'm making it higher. You don't understand how it works. If you show a cover to a rabbi, it doesn't make you look lower, it makes you look higher. See? That's basically what she was saying. You have to understand the Jewish people. Right? So it's a very fascinating conversation going back and forth. How do you touch up cover? What exactly is cover? Uh, what elicits uh, admiration and different sense of covet from others? Now, as a result of this, it sounds like, you know, that, that, that he severed relations with her and she didn't have any children. I won't go into all the chazals about that. But basically, they all, it's sort of like they got divorced, kind of. I mean, they didn't get divorced, but, you know, in effect. Which means that this was really a harsh conversation. And I don't think there was any uh, family therapy at that time. All the rest of it. That's a tough business. Notice he couldn't forgive this and let it go. And, you know, that whole business. Now, again, it's strange to me that the Malbim, I don't know why, but the Malbim is trying, as he always does, to give a different quirky, you know, twist to the uh, conversations. And basically, what does he say, right, that David answers his wife? And he says, he answered her as follows. Uh, I'm not an elected king, I'm a hereditary king. Osis HaKovet Amu, this is the Malbim talking, explaining what David responds to his wife. Osos are covered on The kind of signs and ceremonies out there that are supposed to give cover to a melech. And Yoshan al Kisol, you can reach a love, you know, can't sit in a king's chair, can't get too close to him. Hey, Mukrochim Rakla Melech, Hamolcha Yedebechir's home. Those external trappings of majesty and kingship, all the ritual acts of, you know, bowing and all this stuff to a king. That's for elected kings. Okay? Melech ha-molech al Because he's elected by the people. Shekol kvoda hurak heskemi'i lo nimsemi'asmo. I don't know where the Malmans come from. He's saying you have kings who are elected. Now, Malbim lived in the 19th century, as we all know, and Europe was full of elected kings because a lot of new countries popped up. The Malbim, maybe he was in Romania for a while when he wrote this. Romania, for example, is a country... They declared its independence and then elected a king. See? And so did Serbia and so did Bulgaria and so did many other countries over there. And Poland used to have elected kings. So if his, the shot goes like this. If you're an elected king, you don't have any be'etzim dick of majesty. You have not just to be chosen. So we have to, uh, what's the right word, enhance your dignity artificially through ceremonials of various sorts. And without those extra ceremonials, uniforms, rituals, court etiquette, protocol, you, do, you you lose, you know, your majesty because it's not Be'etzem. Okay? It's all because Muscom, because he was elected. Right? 
by consensus. He's not a king. And if you don't give him all these extra ceremonies, so basically, he's trying to say like this. Why is it wherever the President of the United States go to immediately put up that presidential sign? Hail to the chief and all. What's all that shtick? So it's necessary. He's head of a country. And five minutes ago, he was just a politician. Maybe he was a nobody. So you want to enhance the office. Like you say, it's not a word in the person, it's in the office. Okay. Lo chen anochi. But David says to his wife, Michal, but I'm different. Shemalchusi eno ayide bechiras om, rak me Hashem. I was chosen by God. The prophet Samuel anointed me. Malchusi eno ayide bechiras om, I wasn't elected by Hashem. Kim hayadavar munach le bechiras om, because in the Malbim is putting these words in the mouth of King David, he's like this. If it went by a popularity contest, uh, I would not be king. Isn't that remarkable? If it went by popularity contest, I would not be king. Your family would be kings. Wow. Wow. So, here, it's touching on a weighty point, in my opinion. Who is this David? He was anointed by Shemuel when he was young. He wanted in the worst way to become king. It could not happen as long as Shaul was alive. And that's why Shaul was trying to kill him and all, but David kept saying, I'm not out to kill you, but I'm waiting for you to die. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's basically what it boiled down to. And he had a very complicated relationship with Yonason, because Yonason says, you know, I know you'll be king one day, let me, don't kill my children, and so on and so forth. It doesn't say that David was popular. Matter of fact, it seems he was not. Because as long as Shaul is alive, most of the tribes support Shaul. Wait a minute, I'm not finished. And when Shaul is killed by the Philistines at the Battle of Gilboa, along with Yonasud and some of the other brothers, Malkishu and the other one, Aminado, I think his name was. So uh, you might say like this, look, Shaul was killed, Yonasud is dead, we might as well take David. Not true. If you know Shmuel Bays, the tribes elect Ishboshes, who is a major loser. In fact, his name is obviously a didactic name, Ishboshes. Nobody calls his son, you know, child of shame. I mean, that's that's a real way to start off a career, right? Ishboshes was a major loser, and the tribes backed him because Avner Benair, the famous general of Saul, who was very popular, backed Ishboshes. So here's David, who claims to be anointed by Shemuel, uh, but he couldn't get people to acknowledge that. And when Shaul and everybody's dead, so they pick Ishboshes, 11 of the 12 tribes, only the tribe of Yehuda uh, elected David because he's from their tribe. So that's a major bummer. And then eventually, seven years later or so, uh, Abner gets killed and Ishboshes get killed. So David is the last guy standing. So when he's the last girl in town, since you're the only girl left in town, I want to propose to you. You know what I'm saying? Then the cholesterol goes over to him. It's not a, uh, a, a, a popular uh, choice. Because you're the only one left. Get it? And by the way, David, as I understand it, suffers for the rest of his life because people say that he killed his way to the throne. This is the Lushan Hari is always complaining about. Really, Shaul was killed by the Philistines in the battle of too. too. But people say, guess the way I heard it, David killed him, you know. I heard he was in the Philistine army. Well, he was in the army, but he left before the battle, it says in Shmuel. Yeah, but that's not what I heard. No, the Lushan Hari was like a major element during his reign. And here, in the words of the Malba, no less, he's saying to his wife, you know, 
if I were King Peskemi, by popularity, if it was up to the people, they would have picked Yotze Yerushol. But God did not organize that way. He made me king. Right? Lifnei Hashem asher bochar bimi avicho omikol beso litzabos asinogah alam Hashem. That's how Malbim understands that phrase. Bim kein en kvodi toloi me'es ha'om. My covet is so great that I don't need signs of, of ceremony from the people. Mina'osas ha'kovetim is come metzlo. And from various types of royal shtick. Rak me'asmi my power comes from God. Here you have the divine right of kings, literally. Right? God himself picked me. I don't need different anybody else's haskama, and so forth. Which is which is quite a, a, a statement, okay? Uh, quite a statement. Basically, listen, David is a king. You know, the famous uh, Silsi Sharm, <laughs> where he has that chapter where he talks about COVID. He says, what's the highest uh, form of arrogance? When the person's like this, I don't need any covet. <laughs> Remember that? You don't have to give me an aliyah. I don't need any covet. I'm not laying a shtick covet. <laughs> you know, so, a, so David is saying that by him it was actually true. But not so simple. Because um, he says he wasn't chosen. But that's simple. I don't know. I don't know, understand what the Malbin means. Because it's not so. As I said before, David waited and waited and waited um, painfully long until the people finally voted him in. They did vote him in when everybody else was dead, but they finally voted him in. It says in uh, chapter 5, um, let me find it here. It's interesting. After Shaul is gone, and Yonason, and the others, and Ishbosheth, and Avner, and when there's Mamish, nobody left. Right? So what does it say? Um, uh, here we go. By a vocal. After all is, is over, Vakbrut Bekever Avner Bechevron. So um by a vocal shift to Israel O David, Chevron of Yermalemur, Hinani Yasmachanachnu. We want you. We're flesh and blood. And then it says something Gam a small gamayoshalenu, I'll tell you some motive and maybe as Israel, you were a great general under King Saul, now we want you to be king. By a vocal Zikni Israel Amel Chevrona. And it says the all the elders of the tribes came. To Hebron, to elect him as king. I repeat, to choose him as king. And he did a bris with them. And then after he did the bris, then they anointed him as king. So there was an election process. And what was the bris that they did over here? Uh, they promised to be loyal to him. And he promised not to be a tyrant and rule oppressively or unjustly. So in other words, he signed a Magna Carta. Right? I'm going to be king, but I'm not going to be a tyrant. And this was a constitution that, you know, a king cannot be a tyrant. Now, the king has opportunities to be tyrants. He said, I'm not going to do it. And, uh, you know, usually, usually David did not do that. It's interesting to look at his reign. His son, Shlomo, never had to go through the election process. And in Hanami, you'll see... So when Shlomo died, the people said, your father was a tyrant. We don't want you the next guy. We don't want Rechavim. So it's not true that, you know, he was uh, royal by birth and he didn't require the Haskam of the people. And, all, and he, he certainly did. And I'm sure he was held to account. And he adhered to the uh, Constitution. And it, it, as a matter of fact, when Rechavim, his grandson, declined to accept the Magna Carta Constitutions, right, 
where they said Avicha Ichbelin is a masa, but Tohokilin is a masa. The people said, then we don't elect you. Uh, you know, we 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 vote you out. We we do not uh, acknowledge you as king. Now, when they had the right to run, that's what they did. So I'm not exactly sure what the Malbim means when he when 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 he's uh, you know telling his wife off. But that's how he puts it. So I find these to be very fascinating, but kind of uh, strange and hard to understand Malbims. The Rambam, very famously, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but hopefully I may not have, and you will forget anyway. So this is the site of an extremely famous Rambam at the end of Hilchus Sukkot, you know, where he does these sermonettes at the end of uh, whole uh, halachic discourses. And he's talking about the Simchas Beis over there. He's a Hilchus Lula Perches at the end, which is all the Sukkot stuff. And uh, he's saying that, you know, Simchas Beis as we all know, the Mishnah describes some of the rabbis uh, somersaulted and did juggling and things like that. Now it boggles the mind. He couldn't imagine. Uh, I don't know. You know. Uh, you know. Uh, Rav Shach. I, I don't know. You know, somebody like I couldn't imagine the going, jumping upside down, doing uh, going through hoops and doing circus acts. No, that's not true. You see, it, 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 the Ram would say, no, that's wrong. Okay, uh, because and he concludes over here after discussing the fact that Hillel and all the other great big big people did the dancing and the carrying on, the boogieing and all the rest of it. He says, the Rambam, HaSimcha, uh, the Simcha with which one invests, if he does, the performance of a mitzvah, and uh, out of love of God. In other words, he's not doing it as the Malbim said before, they were Masachik Shalolishmo. So the Rambam understands, no, they were Masachik Lishmo. Okay, I repeat, the Malbim before that I read you says that they were Masachik Shalolishma. That's why the guy was struck dead. But the Rambam here is understanding that it was Lishma. And that's why David held the way he did. Any when you get to Simcha Avoda Gadolahi, the Rambam says. So I'll repeat again. Hasimcha Shiismacha Odam Basis Amitzah of Avas Ho El Shitsivo Bahin. The Simcha one does when he performs a mitzvah out of love of God, Avoda Gadolahi. And if you hold yourself back from this simcha, you deserve to be punished. Now, it's not clear 100% what he means by this, but you'll see in a second. Pashib shot could be like this. You do a mitzvah as a rote. Mitzvah is a nashim lumada. We all know that's bad. And uh, there's a, you know, the simcha is a very important part of the mitzvah. Let's put it this way. What is this, a bummer? You know, oh, you've got to do a mitzvah. That's not how you look at it. That's not, that's not the right attitude. You should say, oh, you, oh, hooray, I get to do a mitzvah. And anybody who holds himself back, seriously punished. In the famous Tochacha, it says the reason the Jews will be destroyed is not because they didn't do the mitzvahs, but because they did the mitzvahs or unwillingly or by rote. But then he throws something else in. Which is an extra point. Not simply that you have to invest a mitzvah with simcha, but you have to be able to abandon your own pride and get down and dirty when it's called for uh, as part of the simcha. No, you have to get really simcha dick. Which is an interesting expression. Anybody who sort of is arrogant, right? Gas, libo. Megis daito, but covered the atzmo. And he signs himself covered. 
which means like this. I don't dance. A lot of people like this on Simcha's Torah. I'm not pointing any fingers, but a lot of people like this on Simcha's Torah. You know, it's not what I do. It's not what I do. Right? Umiskaved be'eno be'mekomis elo. And he stands on his own pride on such occasions. Now, ordinarily, it's the right thing to do, but not on these occasions. Chote v'shote. That's a pretty strong language on the part of the Rambam. And that's why Shlomo said, which means, don't act hadar for yourself in front of God. And then the Rambam goes on to say, and this is all part of the sermon, he did not need to throw this in when he's talking about the rules of Sukkot and Chesu Beis but he wants to. Anybody who lowers himself and boogies, he makes his body tall. So he knows he does all kind of, you know, down and dirty dancing and all that kind of stuff. That is the guy with the covet. Ah, you say, how can you say he's the covet? He's, he's carrying going like some fool. Yeah, at the right time in the right place, like if it's a chasa, it's all, yeah, that's the right time to do it. Not ordinarily. And that's why David said to his wife, He quotes this pussy, that's how he ends it. Which is twisting and carrying on, and like I say, and, and all this uh, wild and crazy uh, dancing. So now, by the way, this is the Rambam talking, Maimonides. I'll tell you right now. Maimonides is not go out for Kiddush Rishon. He's not a party animal. You know what I'm saying? He'd go to concerts and that sort of thing. But, on Simchas Torah, you see what I'm saying? At a certain time, at a certain place, if it's a chasen or whatever the occasion is, you know, at the right time, in the right place, it's the right thing to do. So just like it's the wrong thing to do, Stamazoi on a regular occasion, a person should be very dignified. Look at the Rambam, how he describes the Talmud Chacham. He's always walking around, ooh, you know, very calm, classy, dignified, and so on and so forth. Uh, you can see that in Hilkos Yisori Torah, I think. Uh, but on the other hand, not on different occasions. So David Amalek typically walked around very dignified and dressed in the right way and so on and so forth. But on certain specific occasions, not. So it comes out over here that he is learning clearly that David and his wife had an argument precisely over this point, which is, does the Simcha associated with a mitzvah justify mekel gufo mashpil atzmo? So it turns out that it's a, it's, it's a lot of a philosophical um, um, content in this Haftarah, which I think makes a very interesting uh, human kind of document. And with that, I wish you a, a good Shabbos once again. We thank the Glucks and uh, Gluck Plumbing for uh, sponsoring this. And uh, I'll see you all the Haftarah Mirz Hashem next time. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.